0: So
1: we are live in the studio here with Ben and Cal. Um, ben Howell. Up, ben guys? Howell, new to the Zoom Out podcast. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, no, no real agenda for this this episode. We're just going to shoot the shit. Yeah. Sounds good. I think that's Thought we'd try a good we
0: idea. new format, you know, just sit around, have a round table. One of the things that we did want to talk about today was uh, multiculturalism. Ben here just um, got back from China. He was teaching music, I believe. I was music.
2: teaching English. And I was recording music. Okay, fair enough. Teaching English and recording music, and so uh, yeah, Ben's my neighbor,
0: and we right. we got we got together, had a few drinks, and um, had some really intelligent conversations. And we thought it'd be you know cool to get together and yeah. have a chat.
1: I'm a little jealous. Not gonna lie. I was, <laughs> I was telling Ben earlier that that's something I I wanted to do years ago, and then uh, yeah. Life kind of just takes you on certain paths, and it
2: does that. See, I had yeah. no plans to do that, and then I was there for a year and a half. So wow, a year and a half. Yeah. Cool. What got you? What got you to go? Like, what was the
0: um, um
2: I had a buddy who went uh, about ten months before me, and uh, an old bandmate, and you know, he just told me about his experience there, and uh, it worked out really well for him. He's actually still over there, but uh, yeah, I needed, I wanted to uh, to make some money, and it seemed like a pretty cool opportunity and cool way to do that. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, he hooked me up with his agent and it was really easy. <laughs> nice. So
1: my question is, uh, uh, like I know based on the organization you work with and the location you are, um, it can be, uh, I've heard rumors that it can be kind of difficult to actually bank money and make a consistent salary,
2: so were you able to bring, bring some cash home? Yeah, like for me it was, there's, there's pretty much no way I could save as much money here as I was there. But it depends on who you are like they're they're very biased with who they like as teachers like you have to think about it from this point of view is that everybody that they see or a lot of the people that they see in movies and hear in like music um, are you know celebrities who are from like Hollywood or whatever like all the Hollywood movies so they sort of associate like English and Hollywood and like success together so when they see Mm. a lot of people who see if they see like a white person they'll a s- there's sort of like this subconscious like uh, they relate it to like success. So if you're white, and especially if you you know come from the west coast of North America and you have an accent like us, you'll for sure get paid like way more than even right. if even if I mean it, it's totally it's it's discrimination <laughs> completely. Like if you were you know uh, like y- even Cal like you obviously can speak English as well as me, but just because right. that you just because you look Chinese, they would assume that you don't speak English as well as me. Right. If we were right. sitting next to each other.
1: So you want so to have a university degree then too,
2: because like, a lot of them may... China is them. the only country you don't need a university degree to teach in, as far s- as I know.
0: I, I thought okay. I thought other countries as well, Like you just have to... I know go.
2: Japan, you definitely need one, yeah. and I think in Taiwan you definitely need one. May, I, you might be able to teach in South Korea without a degree. Yeah.
1: So was it a restriction on an age level then? Like you did you did elementary school level or...? Uh,
2: yeah, I think there are people who can teach adults, but I de- I mostly taught kids. I actually had students who were young as two, oh, but nice. m- most of my students were in between like four and five. I taught students, oh. I think the oldest one I had was like nine. So, okay, so like you had your hands full then. Oh yeah, it's baptism by fire, baby. They throw you in like <laughs> the classroom with like 12, five-year-old Chinese kids. None of them speak any English usually. And you know you have your teaching objectives. You got to teach yeah. them these things, and away you go. Was nice. it like
0: a private situation, or was it more of a public school that you went into?
2: So if you want to teach in a, there's there's sort of different mediums of teaching in China. There's after school programs, which is what I was doing, and there's a lot of different brands and schools that do that. Um, and then there's actual like private uh, schools, like elementary schools that will ha- hire English teachers. To do that, mm-hmm. you need to have a degree. Usually, oh, okay. actually, no, okay. I did know some people that weren't doing that, but it's that the, the stakes are high, let's say, mm-hmm. so usually people don't do that.
0: I'm um, sure you could probably BS your way into that one is if you present Oh, you totally can. I
2: so. had an opportunity to, but just if you, you know, if it goes south, the, the repercussions are uh, a lot more serious than if you're just doing, mm-hmm. you know. Like, what do you mean? Uh, you, you, I knew some people that got, like, put in a detention center because they got caught teaching in, like, a private wow. school without degrees. That's scary. And it's it costs, I and mean, then the school has to pay a fine. But yeah, uh, like when I went to China, it took me a long time to understand this. There's a lot of things that don't make sense like that. And I tried to, like, I was talking to my boss, and I was like, I don't really get, like, I know, like, I think it's illegal for me to teach here in this way, but it's like, and the, he just told me, he's like, he's like, Ben, Ben, everything in China is under the table. Mm-hmm. Oh And yeah. I, that gave me sort of a.
0: I I do I mean, understand the culture a little bit. There, it's a little bit more of a don't ask, don't tell. I mean, if you yeah, don't, if you don't make it a problem, no one's gonna care. It, totally. it's until you have, t- until you make it front and center, then they have to deal with it. Now it's now it's they're losing face over it. Then yeah, they're gonna have to take care of it. But if if you yeah. don't say anyone, no one cares. It's
2: yeah. The the reality of the situation seems to be that, like obviously, China's turning into a superpower and they're doing a lot of international business Mm -hmm. and a huge part of that is being able to converse with people and that usually means learning how to speak english so their their need for english is really high so they're not very picky like to the point where like i i knew people that were teaching that had terrible english like i worked worked with this ukrainian girl and first of all terrible employee (laughs) and can't speak like you know Broken English, like mm-hmm. like someone who came from the Ukraine, you know. Right. So it's just their their desire for for English is is so great. But well, visually, English. she was you know quite yeah white exactly. Looking, but so. she was like a good looking like looked white and if you if you're <laughs> attractive to you have like uh like they'll there's a better chance of you getting hired and making more money. No, mm. that's in general actually. My, and they'll tell you that to your face. My mom was telling me when
0: she was um, growing up in Hong Kong, a lot of the companies would require you to put. A picture in your your resume when you submit it. And a lot mm-hmm. of companies don't do that now. That's I had to do that. That's, that's as well. blatantly discrimination. I had here to do that. when about, I got the job. Um, <laughs>
1: right. Well, I, I have uh, about ten thousand questions for you, Ben. But um, I'll ask one more. Just yeah, so no, we don't to, to, <laughs> You know, Shoot. we could uh, get into this for quite a while. But yeah. you brought up Hong Kong, Cal. That's uh, that's interesting. My, my question relates to that. So, like, obviously. Um, you're kind of close to the epicenter of all that, much yeah. closer than we are here. So, what was what was the general uh, feel in with with the the Chinese residents around there in, in terms of Hong Kong? In terms of Hong Kong?
2: Well, I was in Shanghai and mainland China and Hong Kong are basically different worlds. But I'll, I guess, speak to what I can. I went to Hong Kong a few times just for uh, some visa stuff, and I found Hong Kong to be different in a lot of ways, and the people definitely are different there. So, I. I I don't want to speak in an area that I'm ignorant of, but I know a little bit about the politics between Hong Kong and mainland China. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the the drama between Hong Kong and mainland China was due to the fact that China was trying to that some some bill was up and it was changed. Their China was mainland China was trying to change the extradition laws so that if there was a criminal in Hong Kong, they could extradite them yeah, to yeah. mainland China and they would be subject to China's much, much more harsh uh, judicial system. China's, if you, if you look at China historically, like they used to be a huge superpower and basically w- like owned all of Asia. So whenever I talk to people that were like 40 or older there, it seemed like they sort of had the idea that basically all of Asia belonged to China, even though like Taiwan and Hong Kong only belong to them like legally. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Hong Kong and Taiwan, they're basically their own countries. They have their own languages, own currency, own culture. Um, But even like I I remember talking to my boss and this is only one guy I didn't talk to everyone in China And I was only in Shanghai So maybe this is a Shanghai thing or maybe this is just him But I got the idea that like I I remember one thing he said to me is like He thought it was silly that Japan and Korea wanted their were their own countries Because he's like oh yeah back you know in in ancient times We just thought you know the Koreans and, and the Japanese were like Savages, like we didn't even want them part of that. And sh- I'm sure the, the the opinion was was the same on the other side as well. Yeah, in, in many cases. Yeah. And he's like, you know, China. He always said like, like our China is so big, and they're just small islands. So it, there's yeah, it, it. You really have to if if you understand the history of like Asia, which is hard because there's like five thousand years <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, I think it's easier to understand. Sort of. Well, sounds like we could uh, devote a whole episode to this, this topic, but... Um, you have people fun. who talk like us, I guess. You could probably <laughs> yeah. devote a whole episode to anything. Well, I, I mean, I'm not trying to steer it in any, uh,
1: any particular direction, but yeah, um, um, yeah I'm, I'm fascinated by it, and, you know, uh, it's, it's good to talk about it while we have you in the studio here, Ben, but um, um,
2: shall we... Uh, if, if you guys wanted to move on to, like, yeah, as somebody mentioned multiculturalism, and I mean, there's some interesting things I can say about that in China, but if you guys have some other stuff you'd like to talk about... No, 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 that, it was just kind of a free...
0: I don't know unless you were wanting to mention something, it was just sort of a free conversation on multiculturalism. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, uh, um, I, I do want to bring up the... Um, and this, i think overlaps to some extent the uh the whole Justin Trudeau brown face
2: scandal that's happened i don't know if you're familiar with i'm actually not familiar with this so i'm this, this very c- ignorant towards canadian politics after being in china well I think it's a brand new development
1: and uh it's in the last day or two so yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so it, it's, it, and it it kind of ties in with this um, this this uh, thread of the conversation so uh, we can i can
0: i don't know we don't yeah you should probably recap cuz even i've only i briefly touched on to it right so um yeah well, i guess we can just and feel free to be opinionated about it
1: <laughs> sure well, i can't help it i can't help it um it's, it's it's interesting but it's it's um and i think maybe it's a good, good starting place for this conversation because um um yeah obviously justin trudeau and his father uh have, have been um p- pioneers of the, the concept of multiculturalism right right um uh, and what happened essentially was some old photos, similar to what happened with um, the, the governor in Virginia recently, this um, Ralph Northern Northern guy, and um, there's a couple other celebrities as well, like Sarah Silverman, I believe, um, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, they have some some old video, old photo. In the case of Sarah Silverman, it was it was recent, but um, of of blackface being used, um, you know, in in the case of Justin Trudeau, it was in two thousand one when he was at a uh, an Aladdin, I guess. Uh, Themed party at a private school when he was teaching, so right. he is dressed in uh, Arabian uh, attire and he is top to bottom brown paint. Mm-hmm. And uh, did he look like Aladdin? No, <laughs> kind of. I don't know.
0: Um, <laughs> but the picture right now.
1: It, it's 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 pretty funny, and you know he's uh, in he's kind of um, notorious for having um, really embraced a lot of these different cultures, and mm-hmm. he's and I think it's it's. Done well for him in in you know this progressive age of, of um, politics and identity yes. politics in it's Canada.
2: Left-leaning age of politics. Exactly, exactly. That.
1: So um, there was this image, and it you know it's pretty benign. I mean, clearly he's he's well intentioned. He's he's there partying with uh, you know of Asian descent and uh, but then there's another photo I'm not sure if you haven't I was going to say there's three of them apparently so no that yeah those are those are separate incidents but there's another photo of him at that same party the one in the middle um, where he's with these two actual Sikh gentlemen who are Uh, who are dressed up in their Sikh attire and they're you know he's got his arms around they're happy there's clearly no no judgment there (laughs) so it's interesting because um, I don't want to Go on a rant here, but um, th- those so those two other photos or videos have emerged since that first one right. uh, was released, and uh, mm-hmm. those are, I believe, those are actual blackface, which have that that brings with it different connotations than than brownface, right? Now I'm not too familiar with with brownface historically, but um, he was an adult; he was 31 years old at the time of that photo, oh, wow. a, bit, a bit younger in the other photos yeah. videos. Um, but so wait, so he's done this numerous times? Yes, he, yeah, he literally a made a statement that he instance. cannot remember how many times he's done it. So, in any case. That's, seriously, if you think about that, that's so funny. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. <laughs> and ironic. And, and so I'll tell you why I'm conflicted about it, and then I'll, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. But uh, I'm conflicted about it because, as you mentioned, Ben, in, in, a, in an age of progressive politics, um, he's really been a champion of that. So, so uh, on one hand, uh, I kind of want, I, you know, and I feel bad saying this, but I kind of want him to, to take some flack for this, and because um, it's kind of like, Taste your own medicine, type thing. When when you've been um, using identity politics as a as a political tool, and and um, and, and now to kind of s- to see that come back on you, because everyone has a history, right? Everyone has some, some stuff they did in their past that might not be, so yep. it might not hold up to t- today's standards, right? And you apply our today's standards retroactively, and of course you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be controversial. But the reason why I I don't want to see him go under on the other side of it is he's clearly a well-intentioned guy. And I think we can all, I think most people would, would admit that we know he probably doesn't have a racist bone in his body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, and, 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 the, and the reason why I find it a little bit frustrating that he is seeming to be getting a free pass on this. I, I watched a video of responses on people, this is the street of Ottawa, and nobody seems to be too u- offended by or upset by it that there seems to be a double standard applied in, in, in the cases I mentioned with Sarah Silverman or Jimmy Kimmel, it, it seems to be that if you're not a member of that, you know, progressive or democratic establishment, you will lose your job, you will be demonized, cancel cultures in full swing. Um, but if you are in that camp, you kind of get a free pass. So I'm, I, you know I don't like
2: that double standard, but... You don't even have to be part of that camp. You just have to disagree with one of the things that somebody on the extreme left has, right. and you are the enemy. 100%.
1: That's, and that's kind of one of the uh, – I'll say one last thing. I think that's kind of w- one of our our prime goals here with this podcast is to kind of get away from that polarization and have a nuanced discussion and be able to disagree with each other on, on these issues. That's yeah, true.
2: no, it's important. And uh, what I find – because I mean, obviously that's how you learn, is you, you talk and you voice your ideas and you see if anybody is smarter than you or knows something that you don't and if you're wrong about any of those ideas. And if you're living surrounded by people or in a place where you're too scared to speak about something because you're gonna be ostracized or marginalized for it, Right. Yeah. then I don't see how that is different like, it's the same thing on the extreme right or the extreme left. When you get too far on both sides, that's the result. And if we look at the 20th century, that only brought, like, pain and destruction mm-hmm. and collapse of government mm-hmm. on, you know, the extreme ends. Cal, I think we got
1: to get this guy on the podcast.
2: I was going to say, I, <laughs> I feel like, he, I feel like he, summed
0: up, <laughs> he, he summed up the nature of our podcast right there. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm also conflicted. Um, I'm a little disappointed that this was revealed strategically, obviously, as the elections are coming up. I don't, I don't like that kind of... On both sides. I mm-hmm. don't care which side you're on. Um, it's a tricky situation. So let me start by saying blackface. A lot of people don't understand why it's racist. I honestly... I,
2: I, I'm so ignorant to this. Can you enlighten well, me? Well, one, of, one <laughs> of the reasons
0: why it's racist is because a lot of, say, actors in the early 19th century would... Um, when, you know, African-Americans were still kind of the lower class citizens, even though they got their freedom, okay, I gotcha. um, actors, rather than actual African-American, um, actors, were portrayed by, you know, uh, white, white people, white actors,
2: mm-hmm. by putting on blackface. Right. And they were, like was, how they used to get men to dress up as women, to do the women's Yeah, parties. exactly! It's it's like, But in stuff.
0: a very comical way. Right. Yeah, just like Shakespeare, like you said, yeah. exactly. It, it was done in a very comical and offensive way. And yes. the, the yeah, scars from the past that they yeah. need to kind of get through. Mm-hmm. So when anyone does blackface, Right.
2: It Obviously it's not the paint that's offensive, it's the history. Exactly. It's that.
0: exactly there's a lot of there's a lot of feeling, there's a lot of a negative association with it. Um, in the case of Brownface, and this is where it's kind of a little gray. Um, it's exactly it's a little gray because the Indian people or, or the, the Middle Eastern people that he's portraying in these these images may not necessarily have that history attached to it and they may not feel the same way mm-hmm. about it. I mean you'd have to ask actually ask an Indian person or an African American or I guess a Middle Eastern person that they're portraying how they feel about it. But they weren't the slaves that in in, in America, so Yeah, and I would just add one
1: thing to that and and I think you're alluding to that it in, in that context is important, right? And yeah. we leap to judgment and um there are cases where, you know, I mentioned that uh, Governor of Virginia, Virginia, who they found some old yearbook photos of this guy uh, in, in blackface, okay. you know, versus S- Sarah Silverman, for example, who, you know, she's very provocative. It, it was it was a yeah. it was a comedic thing, right? She dressed up as Hitler for a for a talk show at one point. Um, so <laughs> she's to,
0: she's Jewish, by the way, just for the record. Right. So you yeah. know, Her, and Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. So
1: you know, you you can look at that objectively and say, well, they're not the same thing. And in the case of Justin Trudeau. Um, I you know I, I'm not a fan of all of his politics, but you know um, I, I think it's pretty easy to tell that um, even in, the, in his younger years when he was a teacher um, he probably wasn't bigoted, probably wasn't racist. So I, I would say we should judge these things on a case-by-case basis and not just you know like you see with the, with the Me Too movement for example, like you have uh, a guy like Louis C.K. who's treated the same as um, um, what's that that director who was like oh oh oh. Yeah, no, uh, you know. uh, we're all forgetting the name at the moment, but um, no, we all know uh, we- Weinstein. What? Weinstein. Yeah, Harry, uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Right. Yeah. So, like, well, while these are clearly, um, you know, uh, on a whole other s- scale completely of completely different context, they a, a lot of people judge these in the same way and say, yeah. "Well, Louis C.K. Uh, rapist, evil human being." It's like, well, what he did was wrong. We can all acknowledge that, but it's not as bad as what what Weinstein did. So, in the case of Trudeau, it's like we. I think I think he should be maybe judged judged lighter lighter for that and. Again, we shouldn't be applying these standards ret- retroactively. So
2: yeah, it's almost like, like I mean, with this rise in identity politics, I've been thinking a lot about, like we we're talking about this about outrage culture, mm-hmm. um, and about how people are very quick to jump on the bandwagon when they see someone upset especially if they's something that they can yeah. somehow justify to themselves even if mm-hmm. it's a little bit even if it's something that they're totally ignorant of they'll jump yeah. on the bandwagon of being mad about whatever and a lot of it's virtue signaling
1: to be honest like it's on twitter they're like you said they're just jumping on the bandwagon
2: yeah yeah and i'm almost wondering if like like if being outraged is almost like a group that they're trying that like uh, like that's the identity group is like an outrage group because a lot of these people Like, that I've seen on, so like, I, I, there's been times where I'll disagree with somebody on social media, and then I'll see someone pipe in who knows nothing about what we're talking about, Mm -hmm, but just wants to get their two cents in, just Mm -hmm. it's like, there's this weird catharsis of, 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 you know, saying something. Or or they read the last,
0: they read the last line and took it completely out of context and bothered to read what you guys are going about, and they'll just, yeah. I don't know, I, yeah, I, I agree with you on the outrage culture, I, I find. It goes back to what you're saying about the, the extreme left and the extreme
2: right. It's the same, It's it, they all fall into the same category. I'm just wondering why, why people are so drawn to that. Like, why is outrage culture, why does it exist? Why well, does that well, term even the, exist?
0: think about the mob of Rome. I mean, it, it's in our nature to get rallied up really easily. We, why do protests kind of spiral out of control as people kind of, it's kind of an emotion that kind of we build on each other.
1: Well, yeah, it, I, I think identity th- politics it, is applied it, it is used by by the extreme right and the extreme left but mm-hmm. in in today's context um, I, I would say that the left is much more of a culprit in, in in using that as a tool in terms of identity politics in terms of you know the oppression Olympics sure yeah. and and I have my problems with the right of, of course but um, we're, we're seeing that this um, this leftist progressive, Identity politics cult uh, kind of dominating popular culture and yeah. and yeah it, it's uh, I, I I believe personally that it is a lot of virtue signaling and
0: um, so you're gonna have to explain the, the term yeah, virtue. Let's talk about too. virtue signaling. Yeah.
1: Sure. So um, it, essentially, it, it kind of uh, correlates with what you're talking about there, Ben. It, it, it's people who may not uh, have a nuanced opinion on something, or they may um, just be vocal more vocal about something that they may not even feel on, deep down but they mm-hmm. um, they're projecting uh, an idea um, about their beliefs so as to seem like they're a good person right uh, so yes okay it, so in, in the case of Justin Trudeau um, in, in the term of, or I would say in a more general sense in the, in, in the case of, of blackface right um, it, it and this whole uh, you're if you're in the like like you said then if you're in the camp of the left then you have to be opposed to all forms of bigotry, whether right. and and and, yeah. and it's it's this uh, domino effect and uh, there's this momentum where, where yeah if you you, know, if you you can't you can't come in in the middle so y- you're gonna come in on one side or the other and and then it just it just it just really amplifies
0: yeah. The, the, but it's problematic and like we're talking about again um, with the left and right if you if you even veer slightly to the right on one topic. They label you as a far right yes. and the same thing as yep. the, the far left. And and it's the same thing even with the right too. If we're talking left and right, you got very you know, oorah, guns, oh, of course. like yeah. you get very the you're stuck in this camp just the same with the left and yeah. it's 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 driving us further apart. Um,
2: I think the danger is that like everybody knows everybody knows what happens when the right goes too far. Because mm-hmm. historically, we were able to see that in the 20th Great century. Great point. Yep. we don't know what happens when the left goes too far. And we don't know at what point the left has gone too far.
1: Right. Which which is which is crazy to me because it doesn't take much research, um, uh, in, you know, in terms of the 20th century. Uh, you know, we, we've seen, we, we have seen what uh, what, you know, what happens when the left goes too far. But um, I think you're exactly right. You nailed it there. We don't, in, in today's modern Western culture, we can't, I think the average person is not able to pinpoint that. We know yeah, the right, I, evil, Nazis, That that's, that's what happens sure. when the right goes too far, yeah. but, but you're exactly right. It, and um, I, I don't want to think that we're going down this path uh, and, and our culture's taking us towards what we saw in, in terms of communism, um, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I think fortunately there's enough uh, educated people and, and historically aware people that, we, that we're not going to go that way, but I think something that we can agree on is that we certainly know what happens when identity politics gets taken too far mm-hmm. and that's why I don't see, I don't, I'm not comfortable with how prevalent the people who, you know, support the whole identity politics movement, like even in, in, in universities, like universities are unbelievably left-wing now yeah. Yeah. and you know, you know, mm-hmm. it's just permeating throughout pop culture and, and university and everything and, and I, I think you know, university is a big one because, like, that's educating the people of the future. And I think if, if anyone has an uh, responsibility to be as center as possible, it's the people who are teaching the future of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that so makes th- me th- that's where my concern
1: lies too. Is is yes, it, I, you know, uh, and and a lot of people who downplay the issue will say, "Well, it, it's just it's relegated to university campuses, and these people have no say in society." But it's like exactly like you said; these these are the next generation of right. of. of business and mm-hmm. media and um, it is I, I, I believe it is a slippery slope um, so we could, we could delve into that a bit more um, in terms of um, and, and uh, you know I could, I could talk all day about these problems on on, on the on the regressive left as it's yeah. called um, but um, maybe just to kind of dip our toes in the water and, and see where it goes but um, as it relates to multiculturalism, as it mm-hmm. relates to um, what we're talking about today. So I'm
2: glad you used the term regressive left, because we were talking about uh, the progressive progressive people and identity politics in the same sentence earlier, and it's not obvious to me that identity politics has anything to do with progression, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a good term.
1: Yeah, so, um, and, and I think we're kind of seeing um, this this kind of mentality come back to bite a lot of these people, so um, it, I, I use the term um, oppression Olympics, right? So as you um, go farther to the left, you know, and y- you talk to people about this, these issues, there, there is, um, I think, there's a, a this idea of um, you have a certain amount of privilege built into you based on your your genetic or your biological roles,
2: right? So yes, I definitely have something to say about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, there was a, there's a there's a popular uh, artist and. I guess comedian that I follow on on Instagram, and he recently posted a comic about uh, basically the the uh, the the main character. He's like a white guy, and he said something about acknowledging that all of, uh, uh, a good portion of my success is because I'm a, um, a straight cis male. And there's something really wrong with that theory to me. Not to, not acknowledging that you have privileges being a white male over somebody who you know is in whatever other Id- uh uh group identity but mm-hmm. it's just like you know to tell a kid wh- whatever like let's say there's a there's a you have a teenager who's who's accomplished something he's proud of and to tell them that well you know part of that you know isn't just that it was hard work you know part of that was just because the way you're born you know it's like you can't take credit for 100 percent of that even though you work mm-hmm. really hard at that mm-hmm. you can't do it because you're white and you're male you can never take a hundred percent of uh the the responsibility it's for your sex, apologetic success comment. yeah and i just think it's it's like well yeah like acknowledge it but it's it's so so uh almost like nihilistic just to think that like well you know sure. i can't i'll never be able to take credit for doing something good 100 percent because it's like it's like yeah acknowledge it but just you need to define sort of like how much of something It's the same with like the the like gender politics it's like mm-hmm. We don't have anybody. All the people who are supporting gender, you know, uh, this gender politics and stuff. None of them are talking about, are trying to figure out how many genders there are. Right. And that's a serious thing. Like that. That, that would be extremely helpful to know. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we were, as soon as we would say that, you know, oh, the, whatever, there's there's, X amount of, of genders, then somebody would say, well, you know, th- I don't agree with that. I want to be this one. You're right. discriminating against me. So it's,
1: you know, you, you can't. If you if you start dividing. People based on their group identity where does that end right because That's exactly yeah right. and um, I think we can all acknowledge that yes you know eh, we can be uh, lucky to be born in a certain situation and have certain privileges but um, you know so for example not to jump into US politics trend will try and stay focused on uh, around uh, the well justice, no justice I, show, I think Canadian we should politics no. at one point Bernie Sanders said white people don't know what it's like to be poor and and to me, it was like I, I I like Bernie Sanders in a lot of ways. I, li- I like I like his pol- some of his politics, but it's like that to me was like a major turnoff. It's like when you start Absolutely. playing that card and yeah. you start saying, um, "White yes. people don't know what it's
2: like to to, to, be, to be poor." That that's just a, a logical fallacy. And here's also something that I think is a huge problem. Sorry, is that uh, like I, I see a lot of times people on the left are using words, but they the, the definition is is not the definition it once was you know it's mm-hmm. like and, and you know things change that's fine it's not like I'm scared of change but it's like in this in this example of Bernie Sanders white people don't know what it means to be poor well how are you defining the word poor mm-hmm. white people don't know what it's like to not have any money that's obviously not true there mm-hmm. are plenty of white people that don't have money white people don't know what it's like to be to not have money and be marginalized well that's probably not true either there's people who are poor and who are put into the marginalized group of you know those are poor people over there they live mm-hmm. in the trailer park it's like we need to define these words if we're going to put this much importance on them, and, and, and if we're not going to, then we need to use them the proper way.
1: Yeah, and we shouldn't be um, choosing uh, candidates, whether it's for politics or for a career position, based on these things, right, so it needs to be a meritocracy, we need to be hiring people based on competency, and to bring this back to Trudeau, that was one one thing that really um, kicked off his, his campaign, was this gender parity in, in Parliament, right, and um <coughs> It's like, absolutely, we, we should have you know. So I guess a good way of putting it is we should we should provide a system that allows for equal opportunity, but we shouldn't be trying to force a system that creates equal outcome. And again, uh, you know, we mentioned Soviet era era communism yeah. and this extreme left wing politics. That was what they, the the government was forcibly creating equal outcome um, and. Obviously, that didn't work. Um, it, it doesn't work in practice. So you need to provide those role, those opportunities, but you shouldn't be um, giving a, a, a role in government to a woman over a man just because she's a woman.
2: Exactly. True. So, and like I, nobody actually believes in complete um, um, egalitarian. You know, society. It's it's because how, how would you do that? Like, if, uh, even if you ask somebody who is That's an advocate good. for it, and you say, "Okay, your mother has cancer. Do you want her to go to a hospital that has fifty percent doctors and fifty percent, or fifty percent female and male doctors, and they have to do that, or do you want her to go to the best hospital?"
1: Right. We don't actually believe that to our core. You're saying in our actions, right? Yeah, in our actions. Yeah. So, I spent some time in South Africa um, almost a decade ago now, and cool. um, I was I was doing some volunteer work, and I I met this girl. So she was actually doing community service at the same place I was doing volunteer work. And if if our listeners know much about the history of South Africa, um, apartheid and post-apartheid era, um, they're dealing with... uh, in a, in a maybe a more extreme version of what we, we we in Canada are dealing with in terms of First Nations and oh, what the oh, U.S. are yeah. dealing with
2: in terms of of, of African American slave history of slavery. Sure. I think it's only more extreme there because South Africa was so small. Not to degrade or not not to put less importance on on what happened between First Nations people in here and stuff. But yeah.
1: Well, and one of the key differences is it, w- w- between so both are Commonwealth countries, both ha- were you know colonized by the English and the Dutch to some extent. So what, what, I, what I found it wasn't one of the key differences between Canada and South Africa was the majority of Canadians, uh, at, you know, at, at the time Canada was established, was the majority were and majority of the power and the wealth was, was in the hands of, of white colonialism. right? Whereas in South Africa, um, just like in India, with, with Gandhi, they, the power still allied with the, with, with the people because they were the majority, like 90 plus percent of the population in South right. Africa are African-born yeah. black, black people, mm-hmm. right? So, um, anyways, so the, the reason I bring this up is this this girl, I talked to her, and she was so... And it, I, to my knowledge, she seemed like a very well-intentioned person um, and, and, and didn't seem to be racist. She was a white South African, okay? But when she... So, I guess, so she had to... Um, the reason she was doing community service was... She had some kind of traffic infraction, and when she went to court, um, the judge who had been appointed based on, you know, th- this this idea of affirmative action being applied um, in a modern context with, you know, um, Mandela in office, post-apartheid, mm-hmm. this judge who was an African person had no education and had no experience with um, law, so. Her, she was voicing her frustration to me that she, when she, when she was in the courtroom, um, the, the the evidence was presented. Well, uh, so that the radar gun said she was going this fast, mm-hmm. and the judge then said, "Well, what do you mean? Well, guns shoot people. Guns guns can't measure. Like he had no idea wow. how mm-hmm. how um, this technology was worked and was to be applied." And she felt kind of ripped off because she had been oh, I mean rightly so yeah exactly so it's, it's an example where it's, <laughs> it's like, like well, this th- is a great
2: example of when when people are not judged on their competency exactly and and the d- and, destruction that can bring
1: exactly so it's like we can all admit that you know apartheid was a disaster and a horrible horrible uh, piece of policy that you know disgusting right it, based on Nazism and and act- and I should add relating to this conversation, also, the, the segregation, the forced segregation, was based on Canadian reserve policy.
0: Okay. It looked to Canada. Yikes. Anyways. So I, I think it's a good time to take a break here, um, and then we'll jump into a little multiculturalism um, afterwards. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. There's only one thing I'm better than nothing. You keep come going, but say So uh, one of the themes and topics that we wanted to discuss today was uh, multiculturalism. So let me present um, the topic I had in mind, and uh, I'll give you my thoughts later. But one of the things I think about a lot is uh, multiculturalism, which is what, as Simon mentioned before, is, um, is very Canadian now. And the comparison we always like to look towards is down to the south, where the term they use is the melting pot. And growing up in Canada, we've been taught that multiculturalism is more superior in general than... Homogenous culture? Well, the melting pot. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say homogenous, but the melting pot in the United States. So I'm going to throw it out there and let's get your thoughts on multiculturalism versus the melting pot. I
1: have some thoughts, and I think I think we're gonna disagree because we 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 that's uh, fine. We've it's flared up a couple times, so I like maybe this is a good opportunity for us to hash this out. Um, and maybe we should define terms a bit before we get too far into it. So let's, yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah. So um, can we go with the the framework that multiculturalism is uh, a society where we have? I guess um, uh, what do you call that? Like. Um,
0: they call it a quilt.
1: Yes, that's that. That's the I'm, I'm thinking of a word relating to that. Um, but essentially, that's the idea, right? Um,
2: many different patches.
1: Yes, and so and then a melting pot would be. So it's sort of
2: like a conscious, uh, uh, people consciously trying to make uh, uh, an effort to make you know the quilt made up Preserve of their many different parts. cultures, and
0: coexist.
1: Right, and then a melting pot would be. Um, a country like the U.S. that has these multiple cultural cultures, but has a a, a defining, uh, uniting va- value in in the states that would be probably guided by the Constitution, right? Um, sure. And American American they also values. Also have a little
2: bit more history than us, I think, that helps shape their cultural identity.
1: Right. So where and again, it's very important that we s- separate the ideas, and um, uh, I, we should. I think we all know this, but separate the ideas of Ethnicity and uh, culture, right? So we, you can, okay, you can have um, obviously you can have m- m- many ethnicities within a certain culture. Um, yeah. Anyways, so
0: well, no, it's it's a very important point because we we always kind of uh, uh, mix the two, or we confuse the two. Mm-hmm. Ethnicity and culture are very different because within let's just use um, New York. You know, they have one culture, but they have different ethnicities. But then there's a culture, like a subculture of, like say, hip hop culture. You know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot to it. So we, we want to make sure that people understand that there is a very big difference, even in China. There's like
2: the Han people. There's lots of right, different absolutely, things, yeah. You know, right. Chinese ethnicities.
1: Yeah. So you can, um, I think you can uh, um, have a have a, so a culture like Canada, where we have all these diverse cultures and living symbiotically. Um, I would argue, and we were kind of talking about this on the break a little bit. Um, you know, w- w- in, there are many places in the world that are unsafe to travel, and I would argue that that would be based on certain aspects of certain cultures. So my kind of my thesis here, and this maybe where we disagree, Cal, that there are good and bad aspects of culture objectively, right? When we're looking at
2: no, no, I agree with you on that. Okay,
1: 100%, yeah. a- so. And then, kind of um, expanding on that a little bit, um, y- objectively, then you could I think you could say if you're if you're coming at it from a utilitarian perspective and and trying to minimize harm and maximize well-being in mm-hmm. in in the world, there are certain cultures that are better at that than others. So it doesn't that's not to say that there aren't problems with all cultures. Oh,
2: that's obvious yeah. if you just look at the crime rate in certain countries.
1: Right. Um, so. Yeah, so I, I guess, um, and I don't I don't want to single out any any culture um, t- to make an example, but um, I, I I like to, and I I've I brought this up before in previous episodes, the example of female genital mutilation, okay, sure. and and this is there are religious um, components to that, it's 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 regional, um, and I would argue that to preserve what we value in Canadian culture. Uh, using this example and I believe that when you import it, it, it seems logical to me that when you import people from a certain culture then you import those ideas too of course. and and we as soon as you so if you if, if you become uh, if you if you immigrate to Canada you become a Canadian citizen you don't uh, just lose that stuff right so you, and and if we can argue if we can make the argument that um, female genital mutilation is wrong um, then you you, uh, you 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 may see a rise in um, extremism or bigotry towards a certain group of people because they may practice something that we would deem as un-canadian right, right. so so i guess my last thing would be like how do we define so we're, uh, you know keeping this in the canadian context and it's something that's always been of interest to in me and I still don't have a definitive answer here like what is Canadian
0: culture? How do we define that?
2: I don't know if we have culture. Uh, yeah. there is well it's, it's
0: obvious when you compare us to Americans. I guess the important part like you said is defining it because it's important as Canadians one of the things and this is what I strongly uh, believe in is the best part of multiculturalism or that we all live you know together is that we're able to take the best and the worst right. from all cultures. So I definitely don't disagree with you at all. It's just that you need to, especially in a very tricky um, subject like this, you need to very, you have to define the parameters of this. And it's important for a lot of people that don't understand that we're not attacking your entire culture. We're, mm-hmm. we're picking a segment of your culture. And like I said, there's tons of, you know, cult or tons of characteristics and behaviors of all cultures that Need to be discarded from every single race, but and the problem yeah. is when people say, Okay, well, because you know the Western culture has, has done very well mm-hmm. and has you know risen above a lot of other cultures, therefore the Western culture is the best. Mm-hmm. And obviously, n- neither of you guys think that way, but there's a lot of people that may be narrow minded or just want to be on this specific team to say, Okay, well, our culture is the best, but here's where part of the reason why the Roman Empire and the British empires were so powerful and long lasting was because they were able to, when they conquered other cultures, they were able to integrate and take the best and learn from right. the best cultures. The, the Romans um, learned a lot of the, their, their fighting from the Greeks and took it and improved upon it. Then they started integrating you know, the Gauls and a lot of other people, same with the British. Yeah. They were able to go around when they took over India, I'm not, I'm not condoning, um, you know, uh, conquering other nations, but in the process, this is one of the reasons why they were so strong for so long because they were able to adapt. And so, as Canadians, while multiculturalism has made it very difficult, on the bright side, there's a lot of things that we can learn from each other, from other cultures, that we can 100% say, agree, yeah, okay. and we can take that and ride with the good side of things, and and discard the negativity. S- Right. So how do we do that?
1: And I, I want to hear Ben's thoughts here, but I, I, I just would say one more thing. And, and I guess, um, yeah, how, how how would we how do we do that uh, functionally with a government? And, and the, I think a problem is kind of tying this back to our earlier conversation. When you make statements like that, and that's a statement that I agree with, that can be conflated with bigotry, especially by the identitarian left. Yeah. where they there's a there's a strong proponent of cultural relativism sure. and, and 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 you and people will say well you can't judge a person because that's their culture right and i just i i that's a non-starter for me because if an action is wrong it's wrong objectively morally
2: sure. right so yeah. and that was pretty clear because you know after nazi germany fell they had you know trials for people who had committed what they deemed to be war crimes which are and you know a lot of the people on those trials uh i can't remember what what were the names of those when they when they put those the nuremberg trials yeah the nuremberg trials and basically what that meant was that like a lot of them their excuse was always just you know following my orders what that meant is that there's a a a level of there's a a level of of you know wrongdoing that is understood universally by everybody Mm -hmm. and if you cross that then you need to be held responsible. And I don't think that we can actually solve this issue that you're talking about with like, uh, what w- what is deemed okay and not okay until we start talking less about identity politics and more about responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's very quick to talk about their rights. Everyone wants to say, these are my rights, blah, blah, blah. But like, you can't have a conversation about rights and not have a conversation about responsibility because if you have rights, upholding those rights are my responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Because if I infringe on those, then I'm not being responsible for your rights. But nobody wants to talk about responsibility right. because it's hard, and that requires that you do something sometimes that's out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's I, I think that's definitely something that we well, need to do. There's
0: it. a good distinction. A lot of people there's rights, and then there's also privilege. Yeah. Right. It's it's you're not. It's not your right to be able to drive. It's your privilege to drive. You, you, yeah. Yeah. You 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 you've earned that privilege to drive on the road. You've to prove yourself just because you're on the road now that you have it, it's not your right to be there you still have the responsibility to drive responsibly
2: and that's another thing that's sort of off-putting about a lot of these I guess we'll call them figureheads for identity politics is a lot of them they're very vocal about what they think their rights should be mm-hmm. and that's fine if you f- if your rights are being you know impinged on then yes you should speak up but like Again, I think we need to talk about what our responsibilities are, so that we can differentiate between what is a right and what is uh, privilege. Mm-hmm. Because we have a lot of that in the West, no matter what identity group you identify with.
1: Right, and I, I would say that we don't. You don't have the right not to be offended, and that and that's where we see a lot of this uh, outrage culture. Mm-hmm. Is well, you've offended me. Well, you can take any position; you're going to offend someone. Sure. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, and I, yeah, I guess just to kind of bring this back to the Canadian context, um, I love that we live in in a in a culture where we're accepting of of people from different groups, and and I you know, Cal, I think we agree more than more than uh, I thought initially we did uh, on, on this subject. So, I guess then it comes down to implementation, um, and when you when you have this pre- prevalent mentality of cultural relativism moral relativism then how do we define that and you know i i love aspects of, of the of the u.s where they have you know they have a constitution we don't and they can say well um you have we have the right to free speech yeah. and in commonwealth countries like canada we actually don't have a precedent to pr- protect free speech and again even this yeah. ties into the hong kong debate and that this this the, these rights that the british maybe brought to that the island and and the Chinese are trying to take that back now that they have that um, that authority to do so. Okay. So how how do we implement that in Canada in, in an effective way that's you know that's that's not
2: totalitarian? Uh. Well, the you know B, Bill C69 really complicates the, the the concept of free speech. I don't know if you That you're, was actually our for that was guess, our first podcast, you guys familiar <laughs> with that. Yeah, but to discuss that's um, been free speech. I mean there's no need to beat a dead horse, so I'm not going to get too into that, but that's a I I think well, an no, example of what you're talking it's about is good to bring it up. Uh, over Um, and over again it's it it goes hand in
0: hand with what we're talking about so
2: yeah so yeah it's uh you know it's hard to make rules and it's because it's really easy to have like other rules uh sort of contradict each other and that's something i see happening on the left a lot Mm -hmm. is that people are saying by talking you're impinging on my right so stop talking right you know but like Okay, yeah, now right. you're impinging on another race. Right. So exactly. let me, let
0: me yeah. use a very simple example, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. So one of the things in North America, specifically in Canada, uh, it's very unpopular to say Merry Christmas. Now, for me, I'm not overly religious. I don't actually care whether we should be allowed to say Merry Christmas or not. The problem comes, and it's very opposing, in my opinion, to multiculturalism, is that now it's very offensive to say Merry Christmas yeah. because it's not about offending or suppressing say Muslims or Jews or any other religion it's the fact that now we can't embrace other cultures so what I believe we should be able to say rather than happy holidays this, this cop-out term we should be able to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah happy Ramadan, that's what it should be, not, I shouldn't be allowed to say Merry Christmas, I shouldn't be allowed to say happy Ramadan, I shouldn't be allowed to say, you know, happy Hanukkah. That that goes against, in my opinion, what the true spirit of multiculturalism, and I, I feel like that's where you and I, Simon, agree a little bit. Sometimes we kind of beat around the bush or we can't seem to find it, but it's a very simple example, and I think that's kind of destroying the, the spirit of multiculturalism.
1: Yeah, I could bring up some more controversial examples than that. Uh, I don't think that's that's too bad, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, won't, I won't do that for now. Just I, I, do, like I do feel do feel like
2: what you're talking about is is a, a fantastic example of the left going so far that they become the right.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, you, when you look at the, you know the the the, uh, the political spectrum as a, a, a horseshoe, right? So you're yes, rather absolutely. than just a li- linear thing where where as you become. More, more left or more right that that you kind of come together in that authoritarianism exactly
0: look at yeah. communism and look at you know the nazis at the end of the day you got you know stalin you got hitler it's more of a ring or like you said a horseshoe mm-hmm. it's it's not people got to stop looking at it as a left and right it's a very linear thing it's not mm-hmm. and
2: also like what it, i don't it's not clear to me that there's much utility in formulating society so that people's speech is the least offensive that it can possibly be Are you guys familiar with the term helicopter parent Mm -hmm. right so if you shelter your kids i think it's pretty obvious to a a lot of people that it gives them a disadvantage when they have to move out of home and and be subject to real life and obvious like we we do need to like laws exist for a reason we need to make society run well uh, we don't want people discriminated against uh, you know by their by their ethnicity or or gender or whatever but it's like at what at what point is the law becoming a helicopter parent like or people like okay, you can't say Merry Christmas. What? Right. Where's the utility in that? Well, like
1: in, in in university culture, like it's this idea of safe spaces. That's helicopter parenting on a university campus. Yeah. And and, and these are these are uh, uh, adults who are soon to be you know independent and in the in the you know working world where if it, 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 they can't handle a, a, an opinion that offends them. And that's dangerous to me. It's oh, like, yeah. I mean, we we need to uh, I think desensitize people enough that they can. Interact in the world, which can be a harsh place, without mm-hmm. without it, you know, rattling them so much that they have to go to a safe space, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. I think that's sort of your responsibility as a parent. Is, now, I mean, now, I'm not going to talk a lot about parenting because I, you know, don't know what that's like. But from my own experience, seeing people around me that were, you know, very sheltered, and people around me that had a lot more independence, mm-hmm. even though that sometimes the people around me who had a lot more independence went through more struggle and maybe, you know, went through maybe sometimes they weren't always optimally happily happy when they were ready to step into the world and become like a, a fully functioning citizen and adult. Mm-hmm. I found them to be a lot more capable than, you know, the people who were sheltered. Okay, so that
0: actually brings up a good point. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up because this is where fundamentally the East and when I say East I'm talking about oriental cultures, Korean, Japanese, Chinese mm-hmm. and the West are very different. So, and this is a generalization, not so much with millennials now, but in general, the West, at least formally and traditionally, they would kick out their children. Um, I use the word "kick out" loosely, but you know, by the time you're 18, you're out on your own. Right. Where versus right. with the Asian cultures, they keep you in a little bit longer, and this just yes. goes stems back to the family culture because everyone kind of lived together in a closer proximity or culturally. It that's where it stems from, but. I would argue that both sides uh work for different personality types not your ethnicity not even your culture because there's certain personality types that would thrive a little bit with more time at home to be with their parents mm -hmm. to to accumulate wealth and these are people that may not be as they might be may say more introverted for need more time to learn how to break out of their shell versus some other people who were more extroverted or who need to adventure and would benefit like you said from that independence to throw them out in there to learn a lot faster. Do you think people can be taught to be
2: more or less extroverted? I think I
1: was uh, definitely predisposed to introversion and um, with my recent career change I'm kind of thrown in the mix and I I have had to learn to be extremely extroverted. so I think it is, it is possible to shift that, but I, stu- I still th- think there is still a kind of a, a starting point. Yeah,
0: you don't, obviously you don't wanna do it forever. You don't wanna stay at home forever or you don't wanna kick them out when they're 16. Like that also gives a person a lot of disadvantages in life. When you kick them out a little too early, you throw them out, they get a little bit too much street mentality and yeah. it, it changes it. So I, I'm, I'm taking the middle of the road here. The easy, the easy path here to say that both work, it just really depends on um, the person
2: yeah and 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 for the record i'm not sh- it's not clear to me that the middle of the road is always the easy path because sometimes the the far left or far right parts of the road are very hard to 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 go up against mm-hmm. fair enough <laughs> mm-hmm. fair enough
0: so the other i guess the other um I, I wouldn't say the other end of it multiculturalism the other one i wanted to compare to was the melting pot so for longest time i was taught the melting pot was a bad thing you look, you know the states you get a lot of Um, Let's use my own people as an example, like the Asian-born Americans, Asian-born Canadians. um, In the States, because they're encouraged to (coughs) follow the local culture, a lot of the Asians that were born there become very, I guess, very um, Americanized, which may not necessarily be bad because that helps you integrate into society. Because at the end of the day, it is still America. Um, but on the downside, it, it kind of changes their way of thinking. Right. And so initially, or sorry, it makes them, for lack of a better word, whitewashed. Which may or may not work out depending on your personality, depending on your situation. Um, but so it's always seen as a negative thing that you kind of eliminate the other person's culture. So be this one identity. And for a lot of places in America, I've seen it turn out for the worst. I, I've traveled around America, and I don't think about America as negatively as a lot of Canadians or anyone else, basically, anywhere else around the world. Like, say, shit on America more than anything. Um, having a chance to see a melting pot work very well would be, for example, like Seattle, where the culture is a little bit more left-leaning. I'm not, I'm not promoting leftist ideals but that's where I saw the melting pot work very well and Seattle so let me use uh, Vancouver as an opposing example. Uh, Vancouver is very um, the cultures the ethnicities they, they they segregate themselves so you got like say a little China, a little Italy, a little whatever right. and the problem with Vancouver is none of these cultures interact. You can actually uh, say an Indian person move to Vancouver and stay in your, um, your own to learn English Mm. which I don't I don't necessarily disagree honestly if you're if you're seven years old and you move from India trying to learn a new language might be difficult you've been brought over because your kids wanted to move there for a better life and you want to be closer to kids it's very circumstantial yes but now you look at Seattle it's still heavily populated by a lot of ethnicities yet somehow they've managed to work together in a, in a nice way. There's sort of a medium where everyone gets together. It's almost like a, a plaza, where everyone can can get together, um, talk and chat and use the same medium. Mm-hmm. And, and it can still go back into their own little communities. And that's where I see the melting pot. And again, this is specifically towards Seattle. I mean, other places, United States, I wouldn't agree that the melting pot has worked out, but the melting pot has worked out nicely. And, yeah, it was like that.
1: So let me pose this question then: If can we say that there are good examples of assimilation and bad examples of assimilation? So I think, I mean, we can, d- we talked make, about this last time. I yeah, yeah. prefer well, the term well, integration. Well, but but I'm
0: being picky here because
1: I mean, tomato, tomato. I think because if we're talking about sh- shifting uh, individuals' culture to that of w- of their surroundings, their cultural context. It, 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 we can I, I can think of an example that is clearly bad, right? We, you, the, and then that's why I think the, the, the term assimilation is, is demonized because you look at residential schools, First Nations history in Canada, the idea was put forward by the Canadian government to assimilate First Nations to Canadian culture, right?
2: So I, th- I think that disaster. We need to determine whether or not a, a group's culture is objectively valuable or not right. Is it, is it whether or not you know, the things that make up their culture are beneficial to, to, to a lot of people or is it just the fact that they have a culture and it gives them a, an identity that's valuable?
1: Exactly. And that's kind of what I was, was um, kind of working towards uh, and, and, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. How do we define that? And, and even if we have defined that, how do we implement that in a way that is healthy? Not exactly. authoritarian. <laughs> Um, so in in in, in you no know, so that was you know, a bad example with, with residential, residential school system in, in Canada, but I think it's obvious that there are good examples. So if you come from a culture, and I mentioned FGM, you know, in, in, in mainly predominantly Muslim areas in the world, here's the Sorry, controversial. Ray, what does FGM stand for? Female genital mutilation. Okay. Okay, so I think that I, and I use that example because it's it's clearly I think it's you, you're hard pressed to find someone that would defend that practice morally. Is right? that
2: because it's not done when they're infants? Because my my next question, if if the answer to that question is yes, my question would be, how do you feel about circumcision?
1: Right, and and that's a that's a similar issue, um, and, and I, I would argue maybe not as um, as harmful as female FGM. Um,
0: well, well so the problem with circumcision, though, there's actually some medical. Um, there's some medical benefits. The so circumcision, there's a, there's a is a whereas female uh, genital yeah. mutilation doesn't. And, and that's why no. I,
1: that's why I use that example because it, it, it it's less ambiguous. We can all say, I mean, okay, we, the, we, the we whole do. purpose is is to remove the pleasure in 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 women right, because of right. because of so
0: completely, archaic, completely different, different purposes. Malevolent. Yes. Yeah. So, right, so, so I, I'm going to fight you. I'm still going to fight you on the term assimilation and integration. And the reason I'm fighting you is. And uh, the context might be different, and you and I might actually have different definitions for assimilation yeah, there may not and need integration. I need to fight. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm, well, <laughs> the the only reason I last time I b- I brought it up, and I, I am holding holding ground on it, is because the idea mm. of assimilation, and again, our context might be different, but from my context and the way I see assimilation is, you want to convert someone, you want to change them, like say convert them to Islam, completely and entirely. Okay, I got gotcha, you. Versus gotcha, integration is. You on their own terms? On their own terms. Take, take but good things and leave Yeah, them, you, you integrate. Leave you, the bad things. Yeah, you don't want to okay. completely, because integration, the term essentially means you, you it's a combination versus assimilation is you're completely overriding... Or overwriting right their entire culture or their beliefs or their systems and that's and that's why I keep fighting you on the term. It, it it just be a semantic thing like, like the definitions here
1: might I'm not sure what exactly they are okay. but in any case right. um, if we can so y- using a, a clear example where um, y- y- there has been some some uh, women in the news who have f- fled certain countries um, Saudi Arabia being a prominent one. Um, they've literally fleed their family and are at, at the risk of their life um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they have their their own family members will will do their best to, to, to hunt, f- them down, hunt them yeah. down and kill them for for leaving the religion yeah. that's blasphemy right um, that's that's so anyways the so religion I, slash culture right so I would argue that that's a clear example of a positive assimilation or Positive integration, right? Where 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 these Saudi women leave uh, an is Islamic fundamentalist Islamic culture, where um, it's not just FGM is a major problem, right? You have uh, a lot of these extreme ideas um, that that we, yeah. And I'm not trying to be a Western chauvinist here, um, and I, I actually do believe that. Western culture is objectively better. This is where, well, you know, in in a lot of ways,
2: it's clear to see that the failure to secularize, like religion and state, causes a lot of chaos. Right.
0: Yeah, I think both of us can. Me and Simon can both agree with that. We, uh, the whole, the separating church and state is a very important thing, and I think that's that's maybe the definition or maybe the 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 point. Yeah.
1: So just to tie all this together then, it, you know, it, we're trying to apply this in a Canadian context, where um, where you have this this idea that all cultures are equal, and there's a lot of apology for some of these negative tenets from cultures, um, whether it's FGM, whether it's, uh, you know, homophobia, or it's um,
2: Any other sort of discrimination? Exactly.
1: You know. So, um, in that context, how do we? You know. How do in this? You know. This is kind of more of a practical question because this is something that I've battled with. How do I communicate those ideas? If 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 I take a stance where um, where I would say FGM is wrong, how can I how can I vocalize that without being deemed a bigot and you know, uh, a right-wing, racist, person, right? Where we're we're talking about nuanced issues, and and for me, so um,
2: basically, I, I think the way that you do it is you is you say why it's. Wrong.
1: Yeah, and, and I, just, I just found that that, that is, is falling on deaf ears because when I, so I first, so I, I, I mentioned this earlier, Ben, I used to be of the very progressive camp when I went to university. I was oh, a very oh, left-leaning individual. Me
2: too. And it's hard not to be when you're in a university in Canada, which are predominantly, I would say almost entirely, extremely left-leaning. Like, right. Not and, and only the professors, like, the students. and Yeah. And, it, and I
0: would also just point out though, it's also a symptom. Of your age as well. Yes, I was going to say that. So uh, yeah. not necessarily um, yeah. colleges. Obviously, colleges and university are are a, s- a safe place for this to, to grow, just because a lot of the people that enter university are also mm-hmm. younger.
1: Well, that's what Churchill is a Churchill quote, right? If you're if yeah. you're if you're not if you're not a lefty when you're in your twenties, you're you don't have a heart, and if you're Honestly, not a conservative yeah. in your thirties, you you don't have a brain. Exactly. And yeah. I think that applies in, in in conjunction with what you're referring to, there, Ben. Um, so I for me, what really, we're kind of uh, I guess red-pilled me, you could say, when I was, say, 24, 25, was, um, I, was a, I was appalled at what I saw in specifically um, Islamic culture in reference to how women and gays were treated. Okay, so that tugged on my heartstrings so hard that I, I, it kind of made me take a step back and thought, well, I, it, it was my impression that well you you know you would never criticize someone with brown skin or someone who's Muslim because oh we're white people we're, we have this privilege and etc right. etc cetera, et cetera, right this this t- these typical le- le progressive tropes but I'm like well if, if you have this culture that it, that we're clearly you have these minorities and you know women I guess aren't technically a minority but in Islamic culture they're second class citizens by definition right. across the board okay so I, and I'm I'm careful not to create this uh, into a discussion targeting Islam or, or you know, Muslim-majority countries. Right. But it, it, that was a huge um, uh, conflict for me because I thought, well, if, if there are these cultures where minorities, atheists, are, being, are, are, are demonized and, and have no right to speak out and have no rights at all... How, aren't I a hypocrite? I'm defending these cultures, mm-hmm. and that was yeah. kind of the first step for me. And, and I don't I, I I kind of almost swung a little bit too far the other way until coming back to the center. Right. Um. But yeah, being 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 having a nuanced centrist opinion on all these things just you just are hated by both sides. So I, I think
2: Absolutely. to to my experience so far is that if you have a very extreme view of something, then you're probably ignorant about. Something that you're thinking about. And that's probably, I know that's a little general, but like... Um, no, no, I, you, you <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you said something that made me think about that. And uh, I'm trying to think about, because, you know, when I was younger, I don't know if that's just a, a symptom mm-hmm. of being young or a symptom of being naive, you know, being more left-leaning. Mm-hmm. But uh, like... Nobody agrees that, okay, well, well, I mean, okay, a a very, very, very small minority of people might agree that certain people should have privilege because of the way that they're born. Right. You know, but it's like, if you, if you don't, if you start to demonize, like, let me give you an example. A lot of people, when they talk about Nazis, they demonize them. Because of the horrible things they did, mm-hmm. and they did horrible things. But what a lot of people don't acknowledge is that if you were in Nazi Germany during that time, mm-hmm. you would probably be a Nazi 100%. or a Nazi yeah. sympathist yep. because yep. the majority of people were. And that's not because the majority of people were bad people. Mm-hmm. It's just because if you can demonize those people, then you don't understand what it is to be human. The potential
1: for for all the potential for um, harm that. Yeah, and negative um, like beliefs that we all harbor. Well, yeah, uh, you don't understand
2: the malevolence that exists within you.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? that's, and that's it's that's dangerous not to acknowledge that. People don't recognize, and there's that whole term about you know not learning from history. Exactly, Nazi Germany. The left likes to call the right Hitler. Well, everyone's a Nazi, um, Nazi yeah, to them. <laughs> and the right will call the left yeah. Nazi. Everyone associates. They use um, Hitler as a figurehead of evil. Unfortunately, no one's actually learning from what he did. He actually made a lot of strides for his country in a short period of time. Yes, it was on the back of a lot of Jews, but he was able to rally up. There's a lot of things that Nazi Germany did in a positive way. Let's just say from a very objective, maybe a Machiavellian point of view. I I don't want to, I definitely don't want to give them credibility. But at the same time, if you just paint it with that same brush, you're evil. Oh, this side's evil. You, You follow it on the same, like you said, extremism. You can just paint the other side evil takes the morality away from them because now you can you can fight these people therefore they're all bad all Nazi all Germans are bad because they were Nazis it's it's that simplistic way of thinking that very tribalistic human way of going about things that yeah kind of uh, screws us over
2: I like how you talk about what you know proverbially red pilled you and I'm trying to think about what sort of red pilled me in the sense where like I started to think about what if I'm not a hundred percent right in my political views mm-hmm. and my you know my ideological view of the of the world if i had one and i think it was basically learning about 20th century history and really Mm -hmm. learning about it Mm -hmm. not going to social studies and ignoring what Mm -hmm. the teacher is saying but like Mm -hmm. learning about what happened in vietnam learning about what happened specifically in communist uh russia and maoist china Mm -hmm. and realizing that a lot of those things were used like identity politics was used to manipulate people like, whatever, like in Germany, yeah. they used the Jews as scapegoat. And, and uh, in, you know, Soviet and, and Maoist China, they, again, used m- identity politics to separate the working mm-hmm. class from the intellectuals. And just seeing, like, the absolute catastrophe that that created. And basically, I guess, acknowledge- I suppose the, the older you get, the, the more that you realize that you don't know. And I think <laughs> that's probably why people are more prone mm-hmm. to be... be To becoming more conservative as they get older not that conservatives are you know by definition more humble than people on the left but that acknowledging that there's things that you don't know and that there's things within you that are wrong and possibly even malevolent can cause you to you know take a step back if you're demonizing Mm -hmm. the people that you disagree with because a lot of the time the people you disagree with aren't your enemy
1: well, exactly, and and, and and that's where you know c- tying this in with, with this yeah the polarization, social media. I think that's what's missing. I think that's what's missing on the progressive left is this uh, this this willingness to have a conversation. And um, it, yeah, you're either on our side or you're against us. And it's just it's just it's a toxic mentality, and it seems to it seems to be um yeah.
0: And we, we and we kind of like to think we're immune to that, but like you said, there's Trudeau. And before that, there was Harper. I, unfortunately, as Canadians, we used to think that we were above the Americans with this very polarized, partisan way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of filtered up. It's slowly through media, through culture. It's it's, it's becoming a reality in Canada right
2: now. and something I'd like to stem personally. Mm-hmm. One thing I just can't make sense of is that, like, you know, that the term equality sort of suggests that there's utility in unifying all people, regardless of their gender, sex, and religion, mm-hmm. and wh- whatever other way you wanna, you wanna, you know, marginalize people. Yet, I find that people on the extreme left are people that are practicing identity politics and, 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 and sort of trying to harbor that in society aren't. It, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like the narrative underneath that is one working towards unifying people. It almost seems to me like it's more working towards defining the identity, the identity groups, and making sure that they're marginalized, not by discrimination, but like marginalizing them in terms of definition and making sure Mm -hmm. that they have those rights and the other people have their rights and blah. Not that you know rights are wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, that's
0: making small little countries within the country. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: it's like at at what point do we stop? Uh, dividing groups
1: into smaller groups. Well, I mean, and we're seeing this this um, uh, kind of come back to, to bite th- these leftists and and, and Trudeau uh, to kind of bring it full circle. Trudeau is an example of that, where um, it, you know everyone has a history that, that may not be, be look great once it's brought to light, and um, and at, and when you when you continually. D- define people by their group identity eventually, and and you and you base your privilege or your your um, your rights o- on those those group definitions, then eventually it, it comes back to you know they, they, they use the um, the idea of a, you know snake eating its own tail eventually, because yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah unless you're uh, you know you, you rank at the very top of that oppression hierarchy yeah um, you're you're gonna be so. An example with this would be um, just to kind of try and um, um, use an example uh, in 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 the real world. So um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, w- at at one point, they uh, there was a, a, a some some major altercations between themselves and gay rights parades. So they would say, "Well, no, you guys." Uh, you, you, like you have to give us the platform because we're more oppressed than you it's right. like okay so these, these people are you know if, if, if by any you know objective perspective you guys should be fighting on the same team but it's like no um, you know we we have a platform more than you do because um, you know right black people are more oppressed than gay people and so it just becomes this ridiculous game well, and you start it brings,
0: s- down, it brings down to it doesn't matter left or right at this point because now the right there's a lot of uh, what do they call it? The alt-right guys. They're also feeling oppressed. It doesn't have to do with left or right anymore when it comes to this kind of um, outrage culture. It's who wants to feel the most um, oppressed. Everyone's yeah. attacking each other on the the the, fe- the stance that they want to they want to have the podium. Yeah. Everyone wants yeah. a podium. Everyone wants to feel the worst right now. That's that's a really that's a really negative way to approach um,
2: any kind of discussion. I don't think that victim mentality is is helping anybody like not that there isn't any people who are victims of discrimination but I, I think if that that victim mentality is taken too far I, I don't I, I can't it's not clear to me that there's any utility in that for you know that particular identity group, whatever is happening there but I, it's interesting that you brought up the the terms of like a, a hierarchy of whose whose rights and whose oppression is more important, mm. because obviously it's not clear, but it's starting to sort of show itself. All I know for sure is that if you're a white male, your oppression is at the bottom. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Oh yeah, white straight
1: cis male. You yeah. have you have no. Y- y- based on these rules, these progressive rules, your voice is worth virtually nothing. Your opinion is worth virtually nothing, and. And maybe I you know I would grant the fact that maybe on average, um, in certain times and certain places, of course, certain groups are are more or less likely to have oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the first one to admit that I have many privileges um, that have been granted to me and and you know, whether it's just having a healthy body, some people are disabled. Yeah. you know that that's a privilege that I have. Yeah, but to then to apply that ac- across the board and say all all white, straight males, are just ha- won the lottery of life and life is easy for them. Yeah. That's when that's when you see the ri- the rise of this alt-right type of mentality where we're like we we've had enough of this. Yeah. And um, obviously I think we all would would you know adamantly oppose all, 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 alt-right politics.
2: I think we can all agree that there's value in listening to other people regardless of if you li- uh, if you agree with them or not, right? Yeah. However, if you demonize somebody in my experience, it's r- it's really hard to take anything that they say is credible. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's important to you know be be you know humble in the sense that y- at least see the potential for for wrongdoing in yourself enough that you can listen to people that you think you may disagree with
1: and judge them based on their merits and their ideas rather yeah. than their identity, right?
2: Exactly, so. for sure.
1: So it sounds like we're kind of. Um, I feel like
2: yeah.
0: I feel like that's a good moving towards good the end here, to say, here, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think um, so let's uh, take a break here, and uh, this time Simon said he's prepared to give me some uh, topics for next week. So.
1: Very good for Cal to choose from here for next episode, which may be quite a while from now. Cal's off to Europe, gallivanting around for a, for a wedding and whatnot. Maybe so Maybe
0: we can use this month to get our shit together. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, uh, uh, we did a couple, you know, we a couple podcasts here this last week, so I think we, we can afford to break. Uh, so, um, just a quick recap for any new listeners, what we like to do here on the Zoom Out Podcast. Um, it's think is a, is a kind of a unique selling point um, we like to choose three topics for the other person to decide on um, for the next episode we do that on the spot Cal hasn't heard any of these ideas yet um, you know, they might be uh, they might have been proposed in the past so if it, it, whatever isn't chosen can be carried forward to the next one and we haven't implement, implemented this yet but we have I think uh, like at the, at the option to veto like and just choose three new topics if, if all three happen to be just you know not of interest or uh, sure. whatever
0: so and for that
1: yeah so for this week um, the first one I'm thinking is uh, the gun rights issue um, kind of obviously mainly focusing on the US but comparing that to other cultures and uh, um, getting into the, the weeds on that um, okay. and then a little bit more close to home for me in terms of interest um, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, mindfulness practice, mindfulness meditation. Uh, okay. And uh, you know the pros and cons and um, kind of the the ins and outs. So um, yeah, we're we talking about doing a 10-day silent retreat at some point yep. coming up. Yep. So maybe this will be a good way to inspire Ten inspire days. that. Yes. Yeah. yes. That's yes. extreme. And cu- and, ju- and just a side note there, I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, to share that experience with someone, because normally when you travel with a friend, you do 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 this 10-day trip with someone. You're it's a very you're very much interacting with them, right? I think it would be very unique to spend 10 days with someone, but ne- you're, like, no verbal yeah. or any kind of communication whatsoever for that entire time. But yet you're still ex- sharing experience, right? Yeah. So. You guys
2: ever done a silent retreat? No, no, I have he's, not. He's been proposing one, so so you guys have never like tried
1: it. I practice a lot of med- meditation, but on that level, t- for that time scale, that's like, for me, it's just like, I'm so excited to do it. Um, wow. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So. Sounds like a great experience.
1: Yeah. And thirdly, um, animal rights. We've been kind of bouncing around this one for a while, but this is, uh, you know, I can always talk about that, so.
0: All right. So I'm going to talk through this. Uh, the first one, gun rights, gun control. Um, obviously, you and I have, you know, opinions about it. Unfortunately, I feel like this is a topic that's been beaten, uh, beaten like a dead horse. It's not. There is nothing of value I feel like that we can add from it. I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't think we. You and I have, unless unless you want to correct me here, I don't think we have any insights that are going to be very. Yeah, profound I, I, I. Without I, 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 taking I, the middle road. Yeah, I, I think we agree so. on
1: that that subject, and I I, I come out on, the, on on the more the liberal position, and I, I for the life of me. In most cases, I can at least see where conservatives are coming from on most issues. When on this one, I just—it just, it just it seems so blatantly obvious to me that guns are the are cause for gun crime and, and violence yeah. in, 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 in a place like the United States.
2: Well, it's easy if you look at the the, the, the rate of gun violence in you know countries like Australia and China right. compared to right. other countries. But, but but what
1: what I find perplexing, and the reason why I bring this up as a subject, is because there are people who I intellectually respect so much who somehow still are they have carved out a position for gun rights and the the second
0: amendment in the United States so you know um, honestly I have a friend down in the states he served in both Iraq and Afghanistan wars I have a few friends that are either military live in the United States and they actually have really you know reasonable arguments but ultimately I do agree that gun control needs to be a lot more heavily enforced especially in the United States and you know honestly that I feel like that seals <laughs> for that reason it, seals yeah, that it, conversation. Might, it might not be a yeah. super interesting one then okay we, I mean we, at that point we'd just be shaking our hands the whole conversation so yeah well, um, well it
2: just I think certain people have different definitions of of what failed gun control is because I think to all of us it seems clear that mm-hmm. gun control is failing in the states but I'm sure yeah. that there, there is certainly people who disagree with that somehow mm-hmm. yeah, somehow exactly well yeah and there's, there's so,
0: responsible gun users like I said a lot of these guys I would trust them more with a gun than myself right and you know but anyways, um, so then the second topic, mindfulness. Um, I do have a month to think about it. I do, in my own way, do my own little mindfulness meditation just to kind of uh, critique myself and my own behaviors and improve myself. Um, and the last one, Animal Rights. You know what, I think we've been kind of skirting on that one for a while, and it's something you're passionate about. I would love to hear more about that, and I would like to delve into more. So let's, and we got a whole month to work on that one, so let's let's work on that one as far as uh, the the mindfulness as we get closer to this uh, retreat maybe we can kind of delve into that because that one's that uh, what out into the into the winter right
1: well yeah I just don't, I don't have time off until January so um,
0: uh, but it'll just January. give it give us Absolutely. a little bit more time yeah let's uh let's let's do animal rights I am cool. in, I'm, I'm into that cool all right guys thanks Love for deal. tuning in yeah, thanks see, for having you,
1: me. see you next time thanks again Ben yeah, yeah. my pleasure